Hey everyone, we're so glad you're here. I'm Elisa Monjadas. I'm a marketing leader and executive coach. I'm Courtney Copeland, and I'm an accountability and wellness coach. And I'm Dr. Mirari Simeon, an activator of talent, HR executive, author, and working mom. If you're anything like the successful multicultural women we interview on the What Rules podcast, you've learned that you can't do it alone. And we teach women like yourself to outsmart the game to get ahead in your career. We're really talking about those rules that we grew up with as women and expectations that have been placed on us. Our mission is to change the face of leadership at What Rules Podcast. As you listen to our talented guests, take note and take action. Go ahead, go and break those rules. When I first met today's guest, she didn't give me her title. She gave me her personal mission statement, and she's here with us today. But before we introduce Tier, I want to know from you, Miradi and Courtney, do you have a personal mission statement? Yes, and that is how I introduce myself all the time. I'm an activator of talent, creating a world where multicultural women in positions of power are the norm. And that is my mission statement and what I truly live by every day. I love it. I did go through an exercise to get to my mission statement. And I think, Tier, you even edited my mission statement. And since then, yes. And since then, I've been using it. And it's, it's part of me. It is truly who I am and what I do every day. But yeah, she was part of it. And I'm so excited to have her here today. What about you, Courtney? I have written a personal mission statement before. The first time I did it, I will say... It was so, so, so long. And over time, (laughs) I've refined it. It's something that I already say, which is seek to empower, not to encourage. And not that Mm -hmm. you shouldn't encourage, but let's take it a step further and give people the tools and the resources to succeed rather than just talking about it. Mine started to become clearer when I finally just said what I wanted. And I said what I was passionate about and just holding in my head or writing it for myself honestly wasn't as impactful for me. Mine is messy today because when I was just me, I had my mission statement for me and what I offered to women. And although that's all a part of me and it's about uncovering women's visions and helping them feel seen, that is still what I am passionate about today. But I think it's time for a rewrite because time has passed, things have changed, and it doesn't feel like me anymore So Tier, I'm curious for you, like how long have you had yours? Has it changed? Is it something that you think can change? So I developed mine, I think in 2014, and I call it a purpose statement. It took me about two years to iterate it, and I'm not sure if it's going to change. So my purpose statement is to inspire courageous action in others so they can lead more impactful lives. That is so cool. Okay, well, that makes me feel a little bit better about needing to refresh mine, because if it took you two years to refine it, that's inspiring. You know what helped me is really asking what other people thought about me. Like, what do I represent? And then even asking others to edit it. So when Tier edited it, it was like, yeah, that is truly me. Because sometimes we add all these other extra stuff and somebody else could come in and be like, no, this is who you are. This is what Mm -hmm. you do. And it just kind of clicks. I would say keep it short and keep it simple because sometimes people try to fit in so many keywords and they complicate it and it's hard for them to remember themselves. It should be (laughs) something that's very easy for them to say and that they can own. 
this is the What Rules podcast. There are no rules here. So Tier, one of the things we like to ask is, what are all the hats you wear? Yes. So my name is Tier Suzuki. So from a title standpoint, I'm a global client service partner with EY. From a rank standpoint, I'm called a principal. So those two things are probably the two most boring things about me. Outside of that, I'm a mother of four boys, a wife, I'm a board member, I'm a presidential leadership scholar, and I'm a master connector of people and ideas to the things that really matter. And there's so many other things, aren't you? An author, <laughs> community leader. Oh my gosh. She's a powerhouse. She just brings so much, not just to the work that she does, but to the individuals that get to know her. Thank you, Marari, for that. And we just recently met not too long ago, Marari. So. I know. And I am like, I just love her. We need her on this podcast. <laughs> the feeling is mutual. Thank you. You are somebody that when I was still in my phase of figuring it out and really understanding what I wanted, you are someone I would look at and be like, how did she get there? And what did she do? So I'm curious, like, what is the rule that you have broken to get ahead in your career? I did go through that journey of figuring it out for myself. And I feel very blessed and fortunate to have been able to transform both my mindset and my personal behaviors, as well as how I show up professionally that has gotten me to where I am today. When I was younger in my life and younger in my career, there were a lot of things that I had to work through. I had a lot of limiting beliefs about myself that took a, a while for me to work through. I'm also a lifelong learner, and so I, I love to listen to leadership podcasts, read leadership books. I love understanding more about why I do the things that I do and the way that I do it, and how might I be able to improve myself. I think about how I need to be thinking and doing differently if I wanted to get to a different place. So it's all about habit change, right? Because I think we're all a product of all the little habits that we have. And oftentimes we tend to default to what's easy or what's fastest, but it takes effort to actually be able to respond differently because oftentimes we just kind of go with the default and we react to things. So yes, there's a whole story <laughs> behind my transformation. And quite honestly, it didn't happen until later on in life. So about 10 years ago. So when you're reading these leadership books, where are you applying it? How does it impact the company? So if I were to sum it all up in terms of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis and what value it produces, it's all about building relationships and helping my team members learn how to build authentic, empathic, deep trust-based relationships with others. So the others might be clients, the others might be fellow team members, or up and down the chain, right, in your professional life. And so I think everything, in my view, comes down to the relationships that we build and that we form with each other. You talked about the limited beliefs, but you also talked about just 10 years ago that you were able to really come to who you are. Can you Tell us a little bit about how you were able to transform your mindset to own your power. Because when I met you and I read about you on LinkedIn or Google you, I read of a powerful woman. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you were able to transform that mindset that this limiting beliefs now do not hold you hostage? <laughs> 
So I was at another company the first 16 years of my career where I was all about do whatever it takes to get the job done, do a good job, don't mess up. And I was just going kind of with the flow. And I was not intentional about really spending the time to understand what I cared about, what was important to me, what I wanted. My entire life, both personally as well as professionally, was about doing what I felt like other people wanted of me and what people needed of me. And so I, I got married five years into my career, started having kids right away. Over eight years, I had four kids. And so my life was very much about work, 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 and then doing whatever it took to take care of things with the children. And I really didn't take care of myself, nor did I think about what I wanted or needed. Mm. And why is that? I also felt like at the time that to get what I wanted was a luxury rather than I deserve what I want or what I needed. And the reason why is because the early childhood that I experienced with the genocide in Cambodia and coming to America as a refugee was that I didn't feel like I was deserving of much and that I was lucky to just be alive and lucky that there were people who sponsored our family to come to the United States. I was just lucky that I got offered a job. And so I should just be grateful right? And I really didn't have any expectations of more than that. I was in survival mode. I was in the mode of doing whatever people needed of me. And I feared, I feared not being liked. And I feared not being as good as other people, because I certainly had this limiting belief that I was lesser than other people. And so I kind of went through life on autopilot like that. I would say the first 40 years of my life. And then about maybe 12 years ago now was when I changed firms. At the new firm, I was offered an executive coach. And so in the conversation with my executive coach, I explained to her that I had all these changes that I wanted to make in my life aspects of my life that I wasn't super happy about. And so she helped me work through an exercise that she calls life by design. So in this exercise, she had me envision my best self and envision a life that I wanted. And so working through this process, I was able to share with her that there were three kind of personas that I wanted to adopt for myself. One is I wanted to be a healthy person. Second was I wanted to be an engaged mom and wife. And third was that I wanted to be an impactful leader. Defining those three things helped me to start to work on recognizing behaviors that were not helpful to me and what I needed to change in order to be able to be this kind of new person, if you will, with these personas. So that's why I started reading re leadership books, listening to podcasts, YouTube videos, talk to people, worked with my executive coach on things I needed to do. So that was when I started reading The Power of Habit, for example, to understand why is it that I was doing what I was doing and not able to change? <laughs> and so through the deep work and the hard work, slowly but surely, over the years, I've been able to get to a better place, not a perfect place, but a better place in all three of those areas. That's awesome. Courtney, what are some of the observations you're making about Tier? just thinking about her journey? You guys know when I'm quiet, it means I'm thinking so deeply. <laughs> I think first and foremost, what I hear is grace. 
And figuring out what you want requires giving yourself a lot of grace and also being humble. Like I heard a lot of humility in the process. And then also how you are flexible in different seasons, right? So you were like, this was important to me at this point in time, but now I have these new factors to consider. And so that's going to change what I want in this moment. And what I also hear is like, nothing's permanent. Like we have agency to mold and transform. And so knowing what you want, I think a lot of people and myself included, I've been at a place where I was like, I can't make a decision about what I want because if I choose, then it's forever. And what I hear from you is like, it's not, it's not, not even that it doesn't have to be, but like, it's just not. And you just sound so at peace with every point of your journey. Courtney, what's interesting about the insights that you just shared is I'm often asked the question, what's the next chapter in your life? And I'm not the type of person that plans out three years out or five years out or 10 years out. I have friends and colleagues who do that and I admire them, but I have not been able to do that. There's this thing that's a part of me that I want to be able to, to adjust and adapt to what comes. And I don't want to be so set in my plans that I'm not going to be able to see what God intends for me. And so I, I guess in a way, I want to leave space for that. And I don't want to pretend that I, that I know exactly what I want all the time. And I just love how my journey has been led in a way to get me to this point where I have all these wonderful relationships that I get to enjoy and we get to support one another. Sometimes I think about, okay, should I be starting something of my own? You know, should I start a nonprofit organization or have my own podcast? It could be a myriad of things, you know, because I know so many wonderful people who have so many incredible organizations and they're helping people in an impactful way. What I have found, and this is, Alyssa, maybe this is breaking the rules as well, is that maybe starting something on my own isn't what I'm intended to do. But instead, what I'm intended to do is to be able to leverage my network and my resources and my talent to help other people achieve their goals and their mission. And if their goals and their mission is to help others, then I'm a part of that ecosystem of helping others. That seems to be where I am today. Who knows later down the road, but that's where I am today. I love that approach of owning your power. It's so relevant to where you are today with your with your purpose statement. You are looking at the situation from a broad perspective and seeing where you best fit and whether that's you supporting the activities that are going on, putting yourself aside is actually a way of owning your power in kind of a non-traditional way. Like it is a rule that you're breaking. You're doing it your own way. And what that does is it opens doors, it creates opportunities, it gives you personal space, it doesn't box you in. And it allows you to be open to whatever comes next. I love how you put it, Alisa. That is truly owning your power. Yeah, I think society expects us to do certain things or to be a certain way. I, I do have some visibility, particularly in our Dallas market here. And again, people are always asking me, what's next for you? Are you going to run for office? <laughs> That's the one question that I, I get more often than I, than I thought I would, because I never thought of myself in that light. And maybe it's because 
they see possibilities for me to be able to make a difference in that sphere. But for me, it doesn't feel like me. I mean, I think for each of us, there are so many different ways in which we can make a difference and make an impact. And ultimately, it comes down to where do we feel like we can make the most impact in our unique way? Because we all are, are unique. And just because people externally see how I am and they think you should run for office, it doesn't necessarily mean that I should. <laughs> You're like, that's a good idea. Um, I'll, I'll let me put it into consideration. Everything you're describing also is like an example of servant leadership. So people see yes. like, oh, this is, you can serve society like this. Your power is in putting other opportunities for other people and empowering others. What do you feel when people say that? Like when they see something and they want to put you somewhere else, like in a leadership position, maybe that you haven't thought of? I feel the limiting beliefs coming back. Mm. Like, oh, you don't really know me. I'm not really that capable for that thing. I'm really not that good. So I recognize that even though I've worked through some of my living beliefs, doesn't mean that it goes away. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why it takes courage to do things that you may have a fear around, whether it be that you're not good enough or that you may fail or people may judge you in a certain way. It takes courage to do some of those things. And so honestly, I, I feel the limiting beliefs coming back. And I think I, I'm not good enough to do that thing that you're suggesting. I think it's going to be a lifelong challenge for me. I have to recognize and be comfortable that this is where I am. It's still something that I have to work through. And I recognize that I'm not perfect yet. And you know what? I, I don't want to be perfect, honestly. I would rather be relatable because I think it's a common experience that we don't overcome everything. I love that you said I haven't overcome them. And I think that a lot of people assume in their journeys, you need to overcome that limiting belief or that hurdle, whatever it is, in order to keep going forward. And you just explained how you can have this challenge or this hurdle and still keep going and still succeed. And it doesn't have to be the reason that you don't succeed. But what I see in you is that you have such a strong growth mindset. Yes. How did you know I read that book? <laughs> <laughs> Lucky guess. I love that you bring that up, Corny, because I, I continue to bring it back to just having that courage and that growth mindset. It's so critical to continue to grow in your career, in your personal life. Just think about it. You might have not known that you were doing it at the time, but even leaving your previous job, that was still courageous and it was still a growth mindset. So you, you're doing it. You're doing it. I had talked about the, the three visions that I have for myself. Remember the healthy lifestyle, engaged mom and, and wife, and impactful leader. And I had some really bad habits that I needed to change. People look at me now and they think it just happened overnight. And it didn't. It took the growth mindset to stick with the habit change process. So for example, for healthy lifestyle, one of my biggest challenge was to have a healthy sleeping habit. And that took me like, I don't know, three years to really get to where I am now. <laughs> and I feel very confident with all the new habits that I've learned and that I'm employing now that I didn't do before, even though I knew what I needed to do, I didn't do it, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
just the hard work of transforming yourself one habit at a time is what I've been able to do. And that's what I'm, I'm most proud of. You know, sometimes we sit on our issues and, and we have the same issues and we talk about the same issues over and over again. Sometimes I think, wow, I've been talking about this for 20 years. Why haven't I been able to change it? Is it really that hard? I think that it is. And it's because if we're not intentional about the things that we want to change and really work at it. You can't just talk about it and not do something about it. So the action orientation is really important. That's why that's a part of my purpose statement to inspire courageous actions Mm -hmm. in others so they can lead more impactful lives. That was what what I needed for myself at the time as I was working through this transformation. Any other books that really helped you in self-development that you would recommend to our listeners? Uh, Yes. So I would recommend Essentialism. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so it, it's a, writing it down. Familiar with that, <laughs> yes, I've read it. It's great. I probably need to read it again. <laughs> same, same. And I go back to it. I think chapter eight is protecting your asset. That's the chapter on sleep. There's also another key chapter, how to say no and be respected for it. I love that one. And I do it all the time. I love saying no. Now I love saying no. <laughs> I couldn't before, but now like anytime someone needs to deliver bad news or set a boundary, I can say no. It's like empowering. (laughs) Side note. (laughs) I'm going to read it. Thank you. (laughs) Tier, we had talked about before how Asian women are not usually seen as leaders and they're the least likely to go into leadership. You have broken the rule by being an Asian woman in leadership in many capacities. What advice or encouragement would you give to the Asian community that listens to our podcast to empower them to be more courageous? I think for everyone, it's it's different. But in my experience, it's to keep going, like despite your fears, despite of your, of your insecurities, to keep going. And what I mean by that is engage, get involved. And the best way to do it that I think would be most comfortable for Asian women is to just focus on others and helping others. So getting involved and engaging to help others achieve whatever goals they may have. Maybe it's volunteering, maybe it's mentoring, just welcoming someone into the company or onto the team, take them out to lunch. So I think these little acts of kindness to serve others will help, I think, to expand their network as well as build their capacity to be seen as well as when they are able to contribute, when they feel that that they've contributed to someone else's success, I think that builds their confidence. And I, I think it's really important to, when they're in meetings, to engage. Make sure people know you're there. And how do you make sure that people are there? Make a comment, ask a question. You know? <laughs> because the other stereotype about the Asian community is that we're invisible. And so learn to use our voice. And I think you don't have to do it in like, you know, the way that other people do it, you could do it your own way, but just be action oriented and continue to move forward. Don't be paralyzed. If I had to summarize, it is keep moving forward despite the limiting beliefs. Just take one step at a time and do what you love in the process. If you enjoy serving, being a servant leader, you can still do that while moving forward. And then finally, something that we talk about all the time, use your voice. It may be in the way you serve others, but the point is to be heard in a way that is familiar to you, in a way that is respectful to you, but it shows your presence and it 
takes you one step forward away from those limiting beliefs. Yeah, and I think leadership development is really important for people. I've been fortunate to have had leadership development opportunities that have taught me concepts that as a normal professional, if I didn't have the opportunity to go through those leadership development programs, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know that I have a choice and I always have a choice. We always say, I don't have a choice. I have to do this or I can't do that. But when I learn that and then actually apply it, then now it's like, no, it's all in my control. How I respond to a situation is all in my control. And I didn't feel that before. So I think leadership development is really important. And oftentimes in the workplace, people feel like, oh, I have to, I have to focus all my time on work, like my day-to-day work. And they don't understand or realize that self-development and leadership development is work. Exercising to keep yourself healthy so that you could be a, a strong leader that people look up to. That is work. And so it was when I changed my mindset about sleep, about exercise, before I thought, oh, there were things that I was doing selfishly for myself. And it wasn't until I realized for me to be an impactful leader, for me to be a good example for others, I needed to get myself to a better place. So I saw it as part of my work. And that was when I was able to take time away to exercise (laughs) and (laughs) get more sleep. I love that. It's so good. What would you say to that person who's still trying to figure it out? If they're listening to you and they're like, I want to be a strong leader like that. I want to be able to walk this path. Probably talk to someone about it because in the process of figuring it out, you can't do it in your own head alone. I had my executive coach that I worked through these things with. But in addition to that, when I had opportunities to speak in front of groups, I shared about what I was struggling with and what I was working through. And that helped to encourage me to take that next step because now I I put it out there in the universe. I wanted to achieve these three things. And so that helped me to, to continue to work on it rather than abandon it. And so they need to just realize that it's going to take time and that's okay. So it's going to take you two years to get on a 30-minute habit of exercising. It's going to take you two years, and that's okay. Stick with it until you get to it. The 21 days thing, I don't know. That has not worked for me. I don't know if it's worked for other people. (laughs) Everyone is different. And sometimes some of these things, it's hard, and it takes time, and your circumstance is different. Sometimes I'm on track, and then I can get really off track for like six months, and then have to get back on track. And so you talked about grace, Courtney. That resonated with me. And I think when I was going through my transformation process, I did. I gave myself grace and I didn't beat myself up for not getting to the change state that I wanted right away. We've learned so much about you in this time. And I think just to tie a bow on it, if you could say 10, 15, 20 years ago, what did you believe your purpose was then? And what is your purpose now? So I think my purpose then was to work hard and not mess up. (laughs) And my purpose now is to use my unique gifts and value the strengths and the talents that I do have and leverage that for others. I used to think that I needed to be somebody else, that I, Mm -hmm. I needed to be a charismatic leader like all the other leaders that I saw or that I thought I saw. And I realized through this internal work that I've been through over the past decade is that I needed to see my own value 
and realize that I don't need to be helping millions of people. My way of helping millions of people may just be to reach the one person who really needs me here in Dallas. And that person maybe will reach a million people. So then by extension, I could say her or his success is my success too. Want more advice on how to break the rules and outsmart the game to advance your career? Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, and our website, whatrulespodcast.com for more insight from our guests and hosts and join our community on LinkedIn where we discuss rule-breaking strategies for multicultural women. What Rules is a project of Zara Consulting and is supported by the amazing team at Stories Bureau. This episode was produced by Alexandra Uresta with editing and music supervision by Joshua Ramsey and was engineered and mixed by Tim Ballant. Our podcast cover was designed by Delion Creative. Visit whatrulespodcast.com for more info, upcoming events, and all episodes of What Rules, including video, and make sure to give us a follow.